Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello and welcome to show number 336 from Engage for Success. I'm Joe Moffat. I'm host for today's show. And today we're going to be exploring how we go about helping frontline workers uh, solve real business issues and friction points, uh, to, uh, to, to um, paraphrase the title of today. Um, and I think many of our listeners have workforces who are frontline or remote or not connected with uh, head office through conventional uh, PCs or communication channels, and uh, and yet they are an enormously important source of innovation, creativity, and insights. And very often, um, those they are the people who are most directly connected to the voice of the customer as well. So you know it's very very important that we find ways to to listen to them. So to help us explore this topic, um, I'm very pleased to welcome as our guest today Stuart Eames. Um, Stuart is retail innovation lead at Waitrose. Um, who are obviously one of uh, the UK's leading uh, grocery um, retailers. And I, um, so welcome to the show, Stuart. Hello, how are everyone? Yeah, yeah, good, good to have you with us. Uh, thank you very much. And I was just going to say, I first met Stuart um, at an employee engagement summit um, event um, during, during last year where he, you were talking on this topic, weren't you? And um, I, I pigeonholed you in the bar afterwards and uh, <laughs> said that I wanted to get you on the show because I thought that um, the story you were telling um, deserved a, a wider audience um, than a, a conference stage in London, albeit a very engaged conference stage in London. So um, it's taken us a little while to get you on um, because our, our radio show does book quite some months ahead now. Um, so thank That's you for right, your patience. Joe. Stuart, and uh, and thank That's you very okay. much for joining us. So I wonder it if, feels as if it feels as if it's been the longest uh, uh, run up to this. Uh, I've had to wait all through Christmas for this. <laughs> well, it, let's hope it was worth it. Eh? Um, so <laughs> let's 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 kick off, if we may. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your professional background? Yeah, certainly. So um, so uh, as as Joe highlighted, my name's Stuart Eames. I work for Waitrose. I have worked for Waitrose for pretty much all my career, actually, 23 years uh, now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, predominantly, the beginning part of my career was uh, in our Waitrose stores, so getting to the level of being able to run uh, some of our Waitrose stores down on the south coast. Um, mm-hmm. uh, roughly about 16 years facing into uh, our customers and our partners in our Waitrose stores um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and living the life of a, a, a retail operative. Um, right. Really, for the last five years, uh, I have been uh, in our head office operation, mm-hmm. uh, looking at ways in which we can improve operational efficiency within our stores. Um, we have roughly about 330 of them across the UK, um, mm-hmm. roughly take about 5% of uh, grocery trade. And my role in particular is to help alleviate some of the friction points in our operations and allow our uh, partners at the front line to uh, have some uh, better processes and ways of working. Um, and uh, ironically, um, I'm tasked with uh, saving uh, quite a substantial amount of money each year uh, from our operating model. So um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a never-ending t- task, um, and it's something that's been really interesting. Right. And, and roughly how many employees are we talking about, Stuart? Or colleagues, sorry, as uh, I think you call them, don't you? <laughs> partners. 
partners, partners that's it. Them. Sorry, so, partners, partners. Yeah, so um, so in Waitrose, there's roughly about 53,000 working within Waitrose. Uh, because we mm -hmm. are part of the John Lewis partnership, um, it's roughly between 75 and 80,000 partners as a whole, uh, with around about 20-something sitting in uh, the John Lewis uh, division of our operation. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. So, so um, the... And, and of course, these are people who are working. What you're you're operating opening now seven days a week, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So these these partners would be um, uh, well. We have a range of of roles, really. You know, uh, if you look at our operation, the four walls of Waitrose Store, uh, we can have people that work in the compliance area. So that's all the legal checks, the date code checking, and and such. We have replenishment partners that work on. A uh, multitude of different replenishment activities across the store. We have food mm -hmm. service uh, working in our cafes. We have till operatives mm -hmm. who work as cashiers. You know, yeah. a, a partner may well do multiple different areas of our of, of a store. Now it's not very uh, localized where they might just stay in one area. So they've got to be more flexible, uh, more open to uh, different ways of working, and know more around the store than maybe we would have expected sort of 10 years ago. Right. So, so 10 years ago, you would go in and you would do a job and it would be very self-contained and you wouldn't necessarily need to think of the bigger picture or be aware of the bigger picture. And now people are actively encouraged to um, contribute on a broader broader basis or at least have some insight into the broader yeah, operation most, of yeah, the store. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. So, uh, you know, uh, we have uh, notoriously had less and less uh, resource as the uh, business becomes more operational efficient, and we mm -hmm. still pride ourselves on customer service. So uh, a, a, a person who works in our store or goes out in a Waitrose deliver van, you know, that is the, that is the person that represents our brand, and they represent it really well. Uh, so, mm -hmm. you know, they will be doing much more, I suppose, what the key element is, is that we would want them to be engaged and our customer service to be uh, at a level that uh, represents Waitrose as a whole. So um, that's probably the only key thing that stays the same across all of our elements of working. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I do remember as a, as, a, as a shopper myself, I think one of the things that always struck me very early on about Waitrose was if you ever asked anybody in the store, where is something um, instead of them just sort of telling you, oh, it's over, you know, two aisles along over on the left, they'd actually put, stop what they were doing and take you to where it was you yep. needed to be. It, it's, um, yeah, when, when we have, we have a lot of, um, I suppose, I wouldn't say they were non-negotiables, but they are certain service levels that we would want uh, uh, our uh, partners to, 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 to do. And, and, you know, there's nothing worse than, uh, you know, where are the eggs and somebody saying, oh, they're aisle six and, and go and help yourself. It would be mm. uh, much nicer to be able to take them to the product. You know, that is uh, becoming more and more, you know, a, a, a key standalone. So it's not just that. It's, it's, it's everything else. You know, we would want our partners to be treating uh, our customers, you know, uh, friends and colleagues. It's, it's no different. You'd want to be treated um, how, yeah. you, how you want to be treated. Yeah. Okay. So, so we we're asking a lot of them. We expect you have high standards, and you know that you you expect your people to deliver those high standards to your customers and to and to each other. So that kind of leads quite nicely, I think, into the into our topic, which is about enabling your frontline workers to really help the organisation solve business issues from an operational perspective. These sort of what you call the friction points. 
of, of yeah. the business. So perhaps you could just tell us um, why you think, you know, why is that a good idea? Why should we be um, trying to resolve these friction points for employees or allowing or asking our employees to help us solve the friction points that exist? Yeah, sure. So um, one of the key things for my role um, is, is that I owe um, it to the partnership and to the partners that are working in different areas of our business to, to listen and hear the voice of the employee when they identify things that don't work. Um, and we've all worked in that same situation where we do something you know, that could be day in, day out, or could be on an irregular basis, where you've looked at and you think to yourself, do you know what, I, I really don't understand why we do it like this. I really don't, um, uh, I think we could do it better, um, and I think I could be much more efficient. And it's those type of thought processes that most employees have. And in fact, historical data shows you that, um, you know, ideas, um, uh, employees have loads of them. Um, Mm. And they are generally an untapped resource because most of the time uh, within businesses, you look at some of the bigger problems from top down, you know, things Mm -hmm. that we want to deliver as part of the strategy and maybe some of those uh, smaller things that can really alleviate some of the friction points at a, um, a daily basis, um, you know, don't get noticed or don't get uh, part, you know, pushed up the, 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 the levels and, and, you know, have a tendency to just stay there. You know, nothing more mm-hmm. frustrating than going to your manager and saying, I've got this great idea. And they go, well, I really don't know how to help you with that. Um, we, we, we look at a model, there's a, a gentleman uh, called Sidney Yoshida um, in 1989 created this model called the Iceberg of Ignorance, and it's still relevant now, you know, it, 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 it's really important because at a senior level, what you find is that um, yeah, some of those really um, intricate um, uh, problems at, at shop floor level are not known, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's those, those partners that we have that we really should owe to, um, making sure that they have a, an opportunity to, to, to easily pass that voice up. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what we pride our partnership on. So, you know, it's just mm-hmm. as much my responsibility to make that happen as it is for anyone else to do their roles in, in different areas of the business. Yes, yes. And, of course, this is this ethos is totally aligned with our um, enabler three of Engage for Success, where we talk about employee voice and the and that exactly. tapping into and listening to employee voice is absolutely crucial and is so so much more than just um, you know an, an annual or biannual or even quarterly survey or pulse survey. It's actually a saying that our people very often um, understand many of the problems which you've just said we may not even be aware of. So it's not only being yep. aware of the problem, but also actually having some really quite bright ideas about how to solve those problems or make those situations better for, for customers and, and for each other, isn't it, really? Yeah, and, and, and what I've found as, I've, as we've, we've sort of delved into this subject is that um, employees, employees want to be listened. They, they, they want to do better. They want their, their, their business to, do, to be successful, and that's part and parcel of the uh, principle one of our business is that you know you want to be engaged in a successful and profitable business, and mm-hmm. it's our responsibility as partners to continue to add ideas as to how to do that, and mm. that is really really important. And sometimes just listening and understanding what some of uh, you know sympathising with some of these problems. I mean, I've lived a lot of them in my time in stores anyway. Um, it, mm. It's it's really important to do that, and 
the morale around uh, solving some of these everyday friction points is untapped. You'll be surprised how frustrating it can be to, to continue to do something uh, that doesn't, mm -hmm. you know, that maybe doesn't work or uh, you don't think it's the most efficient. And actually, yeah. what we what we can find is is that people disconnect from that and go, well, it doesn't matter what I do, no one's listening. That this problem will never be solved. Mm. Um, mm. And I think that's the point when you get to and you go, well, hang on a minute, we 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 as a as a as an industry have, have failed to to get that voice of the employee. Mm. So there's a there's a there's a kind of vicious there's a vicious cycle or vicious circle of if we don't listen to it, and there's a virtuous circle to be developed if we do listen to it yeah absolutely so the positives yeah. out of it can be really strong, be you know, strong. And, and this is this is this is absolutely the reason why we looked at at, at launching a, a, a partner ideas scheme that allowed mm -hmm. uh, anybody within the business and I mean anybody you know it doesn't really matter where the ideas come from um, an opportunity to be able to voice their um, ideas um, mm -hmm. You know, to a engaged team of individuals uh, whose day job was to well, uh, is to is to make hopefully make things better. Now, uh, you know, a wonderful I, I can't I can't solve every problem, but th there's there's so many that we would like to make a difference on, and there's so many that we've made a difference on so far. Okay, I'd love to hear a bit more about some of those. So, how do you? I mean, with fifty three thousand uh, partners, how do you go about actually hearing? And then acting upon that employee voice or those ideas. What? What? How do you go about it? Well, it's, it's not. It's, that's not an easy task. And firstly, I would say to you that, um, despite the fact that you know 53,000 people work in Waitrose, you, you, not everybody wants to voice their um, ideas and, and so on and so forth. So uh, we have mm -hmm. roughly. Um, so we we first of all went around saying that there, there are certain friction points to even submitting an idea. So firstly, okay. um, if you are a, a, a cashier uh, and you don't have the ability to be able to suggest an idea when it, when it pops into your head, um, you know, there are other options where you might be driving a van for Waitrose and, and visiting some of our customers as part of Waitrose Deliver. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's, there, you might come up with this great idea, but it's not really relevant to submit, submit that idea there and then, um, or you haven't got anyone to be able to tell. Um, our partner ideas scheme is 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 basically a, a website and an app that allows anybody to register um, as a profile and be able to submit their idea through a number of quick questions to be able to try and categorise and highlight where that idea is going to impact. And then uh -huh. it's just a, a drop, you know, it's a submit. And what that then does is come through to us as a central team to have a look at ways in which we can uh, interact with it, whether we can comment on it, go back, ask some more questions. It has the ability mm -hmm. to upload uh, pictures, media. Um, there's, there's like functionality on it, so other partners are liking ideas or disliking mm -hmm. ideas, depending on, on what type mm -hmm. of idea it is. Um, mm -hmm. And it gives us the ability to easily categorize and identify an idea that's come up from the shop floor. So... Um, you know, that's the easy part, to be honest, Joe, mm -hmm. you know, being yeah. able to hopefully get uh, an idea or a spark of, in, of uh, innovation from somebody that's working within an area of our store. Uh, the difficult part is then what do you then do with it and, and how and is it relevant? Is it right? Should we deliver it? Um, how do yeah. we deliver it? I mean, those, those are the difficult questions. But the, the easy part is, is actually, well, tell us your ideas.
Yes, and engaging people in that process so that they know that actually it is worthwhile, that, that it's not just disappearing into a black hole and never to be heard again, I guess. Yeah, and, and, and that's, and that, you know, I, I, when, I was in, when I was working in WHO stores, one of the frustrations I had is, is that you, you, you have this, you have this um, store versus head office uh, scenario, and you, you, it's, not, it's, not, it's not intentional, it's not, it's not a, a bad thing, but what you find is that some of the systems that you have in, within your store, the processes within your stores, um, you, you can't influence or change the way in which they do that. You are reliant on somebody... Uh, who has knowledge in that system, who has a development team in that system, or who is owner of that process, et cetera, et cetera. And mm. the difficulty is is, that is is how do you get your your idea or your suggestion to the right person in a business that's as big as ours, um, as mm. big as any business that you have? Um, it's really difficult. And what I've found is that that dedicated team of individuals that are able to match those ideas to the right person here at head office and get mm-hmm. some honest feedback and some, some, some views on whether or not you can do it um, mm-hmm. is actually the bit that was probably missing. We've now got that and I think it's really useful to be able to, 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 to make a, an idea come up and go somewhere or at least be heard. Yeah, so what, what sort of numbers are we talking about, Stuart? Is that something you can share or, or not? So what, number of, numbers of ideas or numbers of people? The sort of scale, really, of, of you know how many ideas are you are you filtering and and how do you because yep. it, it has, it's a good idea in the first place because you can't presumably you can't sort of see if every idea will will fly because they can't they can't all have no. legs. No, exactly, and you 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 know you'll have ideas that 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 have got potential. You have ideas that that maybe um, haven't been thought through as well as the other ones. You'll have ideas that are are more of um, uh, uh, you know question some of the stuff that maybe we need to do legally that no one kn- knew about, mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. some of these other constraints. So there's lots of different formats of ideas. Some are new new ideas, new strategies, uh, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, we get we've we've had roughly about uh, four thousand two hundred ideas in in total. Um, Goodness. And when the did the scheme years. begin? Uh, so roughly two thousand sixteen. So that's mm-hmm. in three years. Okay. Um, we, okay. We're able to to deliver roughly about ten percent of those um, at the moment. Right. What the average? Um, yes. So it's you know it's roughly about four hundred ideas have had an opportunity to go forward or be changed. Um, and that uh-huh. won't just be our team that look at doing that. That will maybe be an idea that goes out to, to another area of our business, whether it's commercial, marketing, supply chain, and they go, oh, yeah, this is a really great idea. We'll look at, we'll look at implementing mm. that. So mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. just uh, my team that are responsible for delivering that. It's also uh, pe- other people go, oh, no, that's a great idea. We should definitely do something with that. Mm. So, so they take them seriously. It's, it's, um, you know, they, they sort of give them proper proper they're treated with a degree of credibility and taken seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't, think, I don't think there's a serious... Sorry, go on. Sorry. No, I say, I don't think there's ever been a time where you look at an idea and you go, and, and, and it's not. And, and that is the lovely uh, uh, part of, of the partnership. You know, we are really interested and open to, to suggestions. Um, mm. You know, not all of them could be done. And that's, no. that's a fact of life, unfortunately. But you know, yeah. we would never. It would never be a case of, oh no, that that idea isn't worth the the time and effort. We investigate them all. Mm. And, and 
can you can you share with us some of the ones that have been your favourites? Oh yeah, so it's, uh, I mean, there's been there's been some there's been some corkers, there's been some ones that that maybe I can't share, and then there's uh, there's a few that are maybe or at least at least one that I can talk through um, to give you a bit more information. Please, but, please do. Um, yeah. So we so we had an idea that came in from uh, a partner uh, in our um, in one of our stores uh, who was uh, tired and frustrated of always waiting for such a a long till receipt to come off uh, and and be able to be folded up, et cetera. And, you know, the customers are there going, oh, my God, this, this is, this is re- really quite a big till receipt. And yeah. the, the suggestion and the upload of the picture, et cetera, was all of these different areas of the till receipt have got space in. And uh, you could say that our address at the top was, you know, pretty full on as opposed to maybe just being Waitrose this area with the telephone number. And so what they did was they put a list together of all of these different areas where you could influence the uh, tool receipt to be smaller. And it's a simple idea. And when we received it, we were like, well, who owns tool receipts in, in Waitrose? Who owns the tool receipt template? Well, yeah. it's probably one of those areas that once you've set it up, no one's ever revisited it. So a mm. simple change uh, instigated by our IT team and a really simple way of being able to adjust it removed 12 centimetres from every till receipt overnight, practically. And it saved us around about £168,000. £168,000? Yeah, yeah, on something as simple as that, which is, you know, you just don't realise just how much certain elements of your business, but particularly, I mean, we have roughly about 313 million transactions a year. So it's Mm -hmm. it's simple ideas that have come from somebody where friction point has been identified by a cashier um, yes. who every day is working with that same rig roll. You know, nowadays we've moved on slightly and we now suppress the till receipts, yes, no, uh, which is what most other supermarkets do as well. Um, hmm. And that has, has brought greater savings. But at the time, it was something as simple as that, that if that partner had not submitted that idea, we would have never, ever, ever looked at that. And I, and no. I do hold... Yeah, hand on heart, I, there was no one that was ever going to look at that, I don't believe. Yes, it, it would just never have even come onto your radar, would it? No, no. But, but it's also a classic example, isn't it, of, of actually one till receipt, you know, 12 centimetres of one till receipt is a negligible saving in, in, in itself, in and of itself yes. on that one till receipt. But you multiply that by those millions of transactions that you do every year. Well, yeah, I mean, we worked thing. out... We, we, we worked out that for every one centimetre of till receipt savings over the year, it was the equivalent of £18,000. Goodness me. Incredible. So and then of course, Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, I mean, it's also now, it, it's also the paper and the environment and all the rest of it, isn't it? The, the actual yeah, it's, hard, it's the, cold, hard cash. It's the, gift, it's the gift that keeps on giving is till receipts. I definitely... <laughs> I love it. Okay, and uh, and uh, that, did that come from someone working on a till? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. So we have many mm. more ideas that come through. I'm conscious of how much mm. time I can dedicate oh, to all of those. Can you but, share some more? But, can you share us a few more? Uh, yeah. So um, so we've we've had some of our um, uh, everyday our paperwork um, and stuff that we do as part of our. Um, 
uh, cleaning rotors and those type of things, our compliance elements. So, you know, people have said, well, we don't need to check this, we don't need to check that. Well, sometimes we've been able to say, yes, we do, but there are another examples where we haven't, um, and just simple uh, changes on our paperwork, which is done across 350 stores, 356 days of the year, etc., um, have mm -hmm. removed uh, loads of unnecessary paper and unnecessary ticks. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've we've done we've we've had product ideas that have come through partner ideas. Uh, one particular mm -hmm. one was around um, a, a, a very special Ethiopian uh, bread uh, that was taken on by a by by a, a buyer and delivered. That that was originally shared through a partner idea. So you know, there's there's lots Gosh. of different things that come through that. You know, I look at operational efficiency. So some of the ideas that come through, I, you know, it's an eye-opener as to where it even goes in the business. But without mm. the partner ideas scheme, you not only would not see those, you also then wouldn't be able to put them in front of people who have a decision-making process outside. So, um, no, it's, it's, been a, it's been a real eye-opener. Yeah, I can imagine. And, and how do you assess the ideas? Do you... Do you prioritize them against a set of criteria or or you know what what's the sort of crunch point between saying actually this is something we could run with or this one's just not going to happen so i think there's, there's there's kind of three elements that we particularly use um, and it's, it's kind of like a three-way triangle so um, it has to be either simpler for the employee so we're removing um, time effort and non-value adding from an employee task that can otherwise mm -hmm. be spent on uh, customer service. Uh, mm -hmm. It has to be, if it's going to impact the customer, it has to be better for the customer or no change for the customer so that we're mm -hmm. not impacting on customer service as we deliver something. And then the final one is that it's got to be cheaper for the partnership to overall run and do. So as long as it hits one of those elements on the three-way triangle, then uh, it's got potential for us to be uh, investigating. Now, right. what we then do is that we then prioritise whether or not it's what type of impact it has. So the greater the impact, the greater the chance of us focusing and, and driving that one forward. Mm -hmm. and, and what sort of, is there, a, is there a typical time frame, Stuart, between somebody um, putting an idea through the website or the app and you getting it I guess the extent to which the time it takes to get something up and running depends on the complexity. But is there a typical time scale between when you get the idea and when a decision might be made about going with it? Yeah, so we would expect um, an uh, interaction and a conversation to have started really within probably uh, 24 to 48 hours of someone submitting an idea. So whether that's wow. thanking them... Um, being able to, you know, start the, the conversation going. And to be honest, it's quicker than that sometimes. Some of our partners get involved a lot quicker. There's a lot of conversation between partner and partner. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, the idea kind of gets developed on, 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 as we go. Um, mm. We would expect somebody to have an answer within three weeks. However, some of the ideas that are complexic, uh, sorry, have got high complexity um, and multiple different areas of the business to answer unfortunately some of those take longer but the good mm. thing about the system is that we never lose an idea and we have an SLA built into it so it keeps prompting us to try and get an answer so the good thing is is that we will eventually get an answer for that for that partner okay so there isn't it, there's no there is no black hole where my great idea disappears and and never, oh, no. never I never hear another word because that's that's incredibly deep.
expect and say, well, you know, you're always asking me for my opinion and you're asking me surveys and then I never hear back about what's happening as a result. But so it is no. really, you know, it's, a, it's an absolute key rule, isn't it, that you must respond to people when they do take the time to contribute. So so this is great. You, you People, net, every single idea gets a response. And, and how do you... Oh, yeah, how do absolutely. You, how do you co- how do you couch it in if, when ideas can't be taken up? I mean, how do you how do you explain that to people? Well, uh, it, it is it is difficult because everyone's uh, uh, idea is a golden nugget, so you want to be really careful with that because you know there's nothing worse than than ultimately saying that the idea isn't able to go forward. Um, mm. But we do apply a lot of honesty. Honesty is really important in this frame because. You know, yeah. if it's not gonna if it's gonna introduce a load of costs, it's not gonna quite solve the problem. You know, mm. it's good to be honest, but at the same time, you know, it's absolutely there's nothing worse than your idea not going forward. But we've got people that haven't, you know, have submitted ideas, haven't had them go forward. They still submit the next one. You know, it's it is if you frame it properly, then I think everybody understands that not everything can to, can happen can in a go. business. Excellent. Well, we've got um, a minute remaining, Stuart. So thank you for that. And, and thank you for talking about it with such passion. If there was just one thing I, um, you'd like our listeners to take away from hearing about this, what would it be? So, so four years ago, when I started looking at asking for, you know, um, asking 53,000 partners for, for ideas, everyone thought, you know, blimey, that's, you're going to get a lot of ideas there, Stuart. Um, what I would suggest is that, you know, asking for ideas is not a bad subject. It's actually pretty amazing. And when you, when you get all those ideas back and you start to do stuff and deliver stuff um, because of them and people, you know, smile, they see some of their ideas being landed, you know, it's, it's rewarding. It's incredibly rewarding. So don't shy away from asking for ideas. That's, why, that's what I would say I would take away. Perfect nugget to close on. So thank you very much, Stuart Eames from Waitrose and Partners, for sharing that insight with us. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and good night from me. Goodbye. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.